scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. I know there were several things I wanted to specifically talk to you about before we got into the nitty gritty. Um, the first of which, I wanted to pose a hypothetical to you. On, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you enjoy Home Wreckers videos? It, uh, Dead it, by Daylight? It depends on the game. I tried watching one of his more recent videos with the um, the Stickman game, the Stickman battle game, yeah. like the Smash game. Um, and it's just like, not edited as well as it could be if it's compared to like Dunkley and et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. But you know, it's but it's like a straight stream. It's not not yeah. cut up. Yeah. So it's 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 nice from that perspective because it's real and it's raw, and you know the personalities do even still shine through despite not really cutting it up and making it flashy. But I think it could you know benefit from some of that. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. part of me was. Uh was asking myself like I don't I don't know how I thought of it but I was just like I was like man do you think there would be a way to get one of the Vanos dudes on the podcast at one point I don't mean like in person I mean like almost yeah sure like, Skype or almost something do like an interview over like Skype or um, yeah what's the other one on any, Discord anyway um and I was like part of me told myself it would either be. Uh, cartoons or Ohm Wrecker, and I would definitely go for Ohm Wrecker. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like I could probably talk to him for like an hour about his beta adventures with mm. with being one of the prime testers and, you know, play for free people who does Dead by Daylight. And Is right. he doing Sea of Thieves? He did, uh, he did four or five episodes. Yeah, when it was in what, Alpha beta? When it was in Alpha, yeah. It was in its, um, well, it could have been closed beta, same as Charborg. But I just think that, like, he probably has such a, a vast knowledge of horror video games, and I'd love to yeah. hear him, like, you know, outside of a stream, just kind of talk about his shit. So part of me has been thinking a lot about, like, hey, maybe I should reach out and see if he would want to record on a, on a... Well, I bet you can. I bet that... Well, I'm lying. He's not. He's not like huge, huge. No, but no. he's but he's still popular. Yeah, he's still a yeah. popular guy. <laughs> it would be hard with to his get own a response schedule. Or... With his own schedule, yeah, and it would be tough to get a response that doesn't look like fan mail. So we need to rally the fans. Interesting. There's got to be at least all all like hundred of them that I could think of. <laughs> well. <laughs> and that's enough. That's a small army. To, that's a small army. To, to help alter perspective. That, that amount of people... Alter priorities. Um, that amount of people would be able to... Um, oh, man, everything that comes to my mind is just incredibly offensive, and I'm oh. choosing not to say any of it. Oh, anyway. This is lots of pasta. Um, and I'm here with Tenron Otrin, and we're going to do some uh, some pretty... We're gonna do some pretty out of nowhere shit. This is really coming. It's coming out of nowhere. And and after after we reveal what it is, I'm gonna make a special request live. Captain doesn't know this special request that I'm going to be formally making 
but that's when we reveal. Okay, okay. So uh, I gave I gave ten round options today because the last I think two times I had you on, we read stories that just didn't blow my mind. Yeah, and in, and in fact, um, the, the zombie one was just incredibly frustrating, and yeah. um, the Ebola the Ebola episode. Um, uh, yeah, that was. Weird. And then I and then I read a, a two parter with my buddy crying Hawaiian. That was about Ouija boards and exorcisms, and I told myself, how can anyone fuck this up? And it was just really just emotionless. Oh, and no. and this is coming off of watching. I just watched um, Veronica on Netflix, the new um, oh, okay. the, the new <clears throat> Spanish horror film that everyone is raging about. It is very much. I'm sure anyone who listened to the Ouija board two parter, um, and then watched Veronica or vice versa, realized that. Uh, Veronica is basically the same story. Uh, girls find a Ouija board and then fuck with the process so much so that something follows the protagonist home. It basically just starts to, you know, poltergeist her shit and uh, mm-hmm. possess her and her siblings and oh. shit. Very, very crazy. And And the story I read with Crying Hawaiian is... Such a watered down and almost vanilla. That's like the word of the day. I've used it like four times talking to you already. Like vanilla, stereotypical and predictable way to tell the story. And I just, I want, I want something that's gonna, that's gonna really, you know, stick with me. I want to do something that's both fun and always pushing boundaries. And yeah. that's what brought me to today's topic with you because we've I remember maybe after Whistler's part two we were sitting in my basement and we talked for like an hour about it was like alien and it was it was like, <clears throat> pre, it was like Prometheus and Covenant it was kind of like all the shit going wrong there but we also started the conversation talking about like marble hornets and like tribe 12 and everyman hybrid Mm -hmm. and and that brings me to today's topic which you could tell from the title it has something to do with slenderman we're doing uh, another episode on slenderman and and this is just you know i'm sure this is just the second of many episodes we're going to end up doing on slenderman and and i imagine when the movie comes out um this episode will probably be out after the movie but we we're gonna see it and we're gonna talk about it at some point on the on the, on the show. So um, you wanted to to start by talking a little bit about Slenderman. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So now that it's been revealed, my special <laughs> request is that Captain and I spend some time after we record playing Slenderman. Oh Jesus. I don't. I don't have it on my computer anymore, and I don't have it on my Xbox. <clears throat> <laughs> but I might. I might find a way. We're gonna find. Uh, well, actually, find a way. No, we could. What we could do is do the the the, the original version of Slender. Yeah, I could get like a online. crack online. Yeah, and download it to my yeah. Mac. Absolutely, we could actually do put that. it on the. Sure. Wow. I was. Um. I don't know if I told this story. Um on the show or in episode we're going to reference episode 16 a lot you've listened to episode 16 several times 
Um, episode 16 was with a different person. It was with Django. Um, and I just think that each time I do a Slenderman episode, I'm going to have another person who feels strongly about Slenderman on each episode. Because I know for a fact, you know, Disco D, Gestalt, uh, Crying Hawaiian, they're all about Slenderman. You know, and that's just three of, like, the 22 people we have on the fucking show. So... Tenron Otrin is here with me today, and we're gonna do a full another episode on Slenderman. My 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 first my first experience with the game, the original, the OG game, was we're in my basement, and it's several people from the show. I think um, Mr. Skellybones, um, Terry the Tickler, a bunch of baby ducks, maybe uh, Harold Heavy Hands or Disco D. Um, I think uh, Sir Blueberry was there, but we're we're sitting in my basement. It is pitch black, and you know how dark it could get down oh, there. Yeah. You know, it's probably not even nine o'clock yet, but we're all down there, and we have this huge projector TV. You know, one of the old ones with the staticky back projector, and it's like the size of your entire entertainment system now. And um, I hooked an HDMI up, ran it from my laptop to the TV. And all of us are just sitting, like, within five feet of this TV, but only one of us is on the floor. Out of, like, the nine or ten of us, only one of us is on the floor in front of the TV with their hands on the keyboard <laughs> following the TV from maybe three yeah. or four feet away while everyone is behind them. And the surround sound, you know, you haven't, you weren't there for the surround sound, but we had to take those babies down uh, when the house went on the market, but we had it set up like a nine axis around the room. So when you heard something off to the right, all of us would legit like almost like look to the fucking right. That's how good. And you know, eventually later on, that was early high school, later high school. I found a way to run anything, the the Blu-ray player, the Xbox, anything through a 3d converter and put on 3d, 3d glasses. And like, play games in 3D. Oh my god. And I remember doing that with Dead Space. I remember <sighs> doing that with um, stuff like Prototype, Last of Us. Like, oh, there yeah. were just so many times where I would just uselessly turn on a, a depth gauge on the TV and it would instant... There would be some hiccups here and there. But I remember Slender, the original Slender, was one of the ones I played in 3D several times and because it was so crude and I remember I had my turtle beaches back then so it's like I'm wearing these things I have goggles on my fucking face and I'm four feet four feet from the TV and I'm just like I am in it so anyway this time we're just playing it and it's on my old shitty TV later when we got the new TVs when the 3D stuff happened but we're on my old shitty TV there's maybe ten of us and I watch like maybe two two or three people. I'm third to go. I watch two or three people go in front of me. One of them gets to like six notes, six out of eight. The other one gets to like three. And I go up like first first to bat. And um and I go like five or six on my first one, but I do it fast. So like everyone is like 
really into it because I'm doing all the stuff people don't like. Like I'm turning around real fast and I'm I'm going around. I'm whipping around corners real fast. Ooh. I'm doing the stuff that like makes anxious people go nuts. <laughs> while everyone else, everyone else was like, uh, uh, uh. You know, I'm running to directions yeah. and, and bounding around trees, and I make it pretty much f- further or the furthest out of like everyone that night on my first go. And then later we, we went eight and eight and and whatnot. But, um, I just remember playing that for a solid two or three hours that night. And it was, um, it was a thrilling experience. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thrilling is a good word because I wasn't quite terrified, but I wasn't, um, there was another version. I wasn't quite having fun. It was something else. There was another version of Slender Man called Hospice. Sure. And And is it, is that the one with the proxy? No, no, it's Slenderman. Okay, so it's not yeah. the it's not the arrival. Mm-mm. Okay, and it's in well, it's in like this a very very abandoned, rundown, old hospice. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, it's it's that one's scary because it's hallways. It's it's you know uh, straight hallways and stairs and stuff and <laughs> not so many trees. Well, there's no trees. It's it yeah. pretty much is still like, eight notes. Yep, still eight notes. You gotta Interesting. Find some yeah. That one's pretty scary too. So I mean, if you want to try that one, hmm. since that that'd we'll, be a new experience, we'll definitely have to see uh, which is where and, and easiest to get and easiest to, easiest to run. Yeah, but um, I'm totally down for that. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, I just remember uh, Frowns and I losing our losing our shit trying to play through that. Uh, it was, of course, I haven't I haven't even played the uh, the new one. So the arrival it. It does a lot of shitty things. And by that I mean, like, it looks really good. Slendy looks good. The proxy looks good. Um, and it wasn't too expensive. I think it was like 30, mm-hmm. 30 or 40. But it's essentially, you know, seven or eight s- story missions of the original Slender game. Except on like the first level it's just like an intro and you're just in a house and weird start stuff starts to happen and you get out and you know he chases you into the woods and then it's like you know part two you're in the woods and it's like the og game and like part three they introduce the proxy and the proxy runs around like a fucking asshole and stabs you to death one hit ko's and it's just it's just real tough and even when they like i think they patched it or something um, it was still like annoying and stupid and and Slenderman also had the ability, you know, getting further in the game to be just as yeah. quick and annoying and just stupid. And I think that's the problem is like not everyone can can nail um AI combat against something you can't kill quite like, you know, alien isolation. Like the balance of Using a uh, an AI with sight lines and how to avoid them, and it's very clear that the arrival is just playing its AI like any other player. It's not scripted; it just runs. It's mm-hmm. it's it's improbable, and it just mm-hmm. you know it could do anything. And the um, the one for Alien Isolation or say uh, Amnesia is just a little bit more nuanced. It, mm-hmm. it knows to only be around the area. For a certain amount of time to give you time to get through the level, mm-hmm. and when it does find you, to kind of give you chances to 
because you can't kill them in either of those games. And that's kind of the point is like you can't kill any of the bad guys in isolation, amnesia or uh, any of the slender games. And um, there are ways to continue through the game dealing with that kind of frustrating, persistent villain and have a good time and make it a fun game. And the arrival, I just remember both playing through the first half of it and watching someone play through the rest of it yeah. and just kind of go, nah. Okay. Nah, I'm good. Um, but I know a lot of people that love it at the same time. And a lot of people that say um, what it does do, uh, almost like the SCP um, escape game, um, if you're into SCP shit, is it is it takes something out of internet mythology and turns it into a game. And there's something impressive about that people interpreting an idea in their own way. Um, games are just another medium for interpretation. So it's like watching a fan film. Just to bring it back a little bit, um, something that I remember hearing when everyone, you know, just like with Five Nights at Freddy's, mm. Slenderman basically, the original Slender creator, when he was approached to make the arrival, um... He said he said like a lot of things about what he wanted it to be and like he wanted it to be almost completely opposite of what it ended up being. Interesting. And, and there was a lot of shit talking going on. You there. mean like um, it would have been a lot uh, less? It would be a lot simpler of a design. Essentially, he wanted it to be more plot driven, almost like um, have you ever played um, uh, Alien Isolation? No, I was gonna say like Welcome Home. Or like... Um, oh my god. Or like uh, oh, Dear Esther. Not a jog in my memory, Welcome Home. You're a girl who gets home to find that her sister isn't there and you go around the house and you find like notes and you find out that like your sister was like a, you know, a closeted homosexual no, and she's I... running off with a girl to the military and, and, you know, they did some questionable things in the house like um, Ouija board and sacrifice. Is it, little, little is it like a... Shit. First there are person. darker undertones. Yeah, it's first person. First person, it's first person. move around and then yeah. hit like memory points here yeah. and there. There's, there was another game. That, there are several games like um, that, but but yeah. They had all died and they were like... It was like in, in England, in like the countryside of England. And it, That's the, the many lives of whatever. Um, mm-mm. As in, well, I don't know, we're getting way off topic. We're getting off topic. But yeah, no. He wanted it to be more of a narrative. He wanted it to be more of like a plot-driven experience. And essentially all it is is the, the original game Slender in seven different settings with a really bad AI chasing you around. Interesting. And there is no time to really, you know, walk around and, and build your character. Or, you know, he wanted it to be like Marble Hornets. He wanted to make a game... Of Marble Hornets. Sure. And, and unless you're making an ARG, that's just not going to happen. So. Anyway, today we are reading some Slenderman bullshits. Uh, I guess I guess shout out is uh, this week at, at the time of recording this is this Friday. Uh, A Quiet Place comes out on Friday. Oh, yeah. And I think I, I might go see that tomorrow night. I'd go see it with you tomorrow night if you do. You want to go see questions? Depends on what time you'd want to see it. I'd be back down here. We'll talk. I do sure. really want to see it, though. It, it looks it looks really cool, and I love John Krasinski. And 
I love creature features. I'm such a I'm a slut for creature features. Yeah. Um, the trailer is good, but maybe that's a bad sign. No, there there's a lot of early buzz from uh, from film fests for it. So okay. I, I believe the buzz. Like I uh, I loved the ritual recently on Netflix. Really awesome creature feature. Really cool creature design, and I think that's that's all I really want. I want a seriously acted. Like, the actors buy into the shit that's going on. And they're not just phoning in their entire yeah. performance. And and John Krasinski never really does that. Yeah. And I haven't really seen Blunt do that either. She's always pretty, pretty into it. It'll be the kids that make or break it. It will be the kids that make or break it. And, um... And if they're annoying and they and they die, <laughs> then it'll be a good movie. So, uh, <laughs> like the road. Anyway, so oh, um, oh no. Well, in the road, the parents died, but yeah. regardless, the kid made that movie. Oh no. Um, we're reading Slenderman shit. We got to get back to Slendy. What's your gateway to Slendy? Um, Marble Hornets. Pretty gateway, like oh, how I got to it. Yeah, Slenderman. The easily most beautiful Mm ex-girlfriend that I had when I was a sophomore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was a senior. Ooh. Yeah. I did the the freshman... I did the freshman, senior, freshman, junior, freshman, sophomore thing. Jeez. (laughs) Good lord. (laughs) Until I was a senior, and then it was date date the junior. Well, that's all right. Date the junior thing. You know, date date whoever you want, you know. You were dating beautiful girl. Oh yeah, and she she like mentioned to me at some point, "Have you heard of Marble Hornets?" And I hadn't heard of Slenderman before this. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, "No, nope, I haven't." And she was like, "You got to watch it. It's it's really scary, but it's like really really like a good story." So, I I began to watch it late at night on a weeknight. And I watched, like, at that point, it was only the first 10 or 15 episodes released. Mm-hmm. And, or at some, it was back in, I don't know what years, like 2000. This is, I was going to say, this is 2000, like 2004, 2005, later. No, yeah, it was 2008. Like yeah. I just remember in the, in the origin of YouTube, YouTube wasn't bought by Google yet. It wasn't this big thing. Marble Hornets was one of the biggest things of small YouTube when it wasn't the big G. Everyone just bought into it. It became this real thing. It became this, like, living, breathing thing that people were developed in, and they they read conversations, and they followed forums, and they, yeah. they basically played the ARG of Marble Hornets. And the fact that they did that, and they, they were the first to do that... One of the one of the coolest fucking things cemented them in history. Yeah, for for being the best part of Slenderman, I think you know yeah. a lot of people talk about the something awful forum. Um, uh, a lot okay. of people t- a lot of people are probably going to talk about the movie or the video game um, mm. when they talk about Slenderman. But like the real OG, like the 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 winner, the MVP, Marble Hornets, Marble Hornets of Slenderman lore. I haven't seen um, what's the other one called Everyman Hybrid. Yes, and... Tribe 12. Tribe 12. I haven't seen either of those. Interesting. Um, Tribe 12, if I remember correctly, Tribe 12 is about a guy doing a history project on his extended family. Ooh. And he's documenting it because his uncle's kind of nuts. 
Gotcha. And his uncle or grandfather or something starts to talk about um, this weird entity that's been kind of following him around since he, you know, got back from a war or, you know, from, from the mainland, the homeland or something. You know, there's a lot of um, Der Grossmann yeah. German shit going on. And um, and it just, you know, he devolves. The, the protagonist devolves and starts to see him and get freaked out. Um, I like Everman Hybrid more because they kind of, um, they might not have invented Proxy like Marble Hornets did, or the, um, what do they call it? Is it the Conductor? No. They don't call him Slenderman in the... In the Marble man who Hornets. watches? No, they, there's a name. Let me, um... Faceless Man? No. Nope, nope. It's like Conductor or something. I always fuck it up, but now I need to, because we're in another episode of Slenderman, I have to get it right. Operator. Operator. Remember, I think the reasoning for calling him the operator is almost the um, the dial tone-esque quality of his meddling with things. Like a, like someone who's been on the other line the whole time. Yeah. Um, or someone who connects two things. I two, have to, two realities. I have to, before we dip into the, the actual story... Do you have any cookies? I don't have any cookies. Fucking shit. God. Captain. Well, I just... Captain? I had an, ex, I had an ex-girlfriend I, I called need, Captain. Ah, uh, shit. Now it makes sense. I, uh, it's just hard. And then the other one I have to talk about is Everyman Hybrid. Everyman Hybrid is real oh, good. yes. Everyman Hybrid is real good. Because it is three assholes filming um, almost like a workout routine okay. over the course of a summer. And by the time they get to maybe episode 13 of talking about their how their diets are going and how their progress is sure. going and the activities they do, um, they slowly start to lose their shit because they're okay. all starting to, you know, notice things following them and one of them isn't sleeping well and yeah. it's starting to affect his attitude and and uh, they think it's the diet or they think it's the meds, but it's not, you know. It, but it's the funniest of the three, and I think Everyman Hybrid is also the one where they um, they really emphasize tentacles, the fact okay. that it walks around on tentacles. Yeah. Um, Tribe 12 treats it more like a god, and Marble Hornets treats it more like a creepy guy. Like yeah. Marble Hornets is more like a, a, a lurker. Yeah. Um, Tribe 12 is like an anime god, like an anime monster, like a grudge mm. kind of entity. Interesting. And um, and Everyman Hybrid, it is very much like a monster, like multiple tentacled monster. Um, but I've also seen some cool, um, some cool other cool interpretations. Have you ever seen the fan film Proxy, starring um, the voice of Levi from Attack on Titan? Mm, and, and maybe. Uh, what's his fucking name? I met him at fucking Comic-Con. He's the coolest fucking guy. He also voiced Leon in all of, like, the Resident Evil 7, like, movies and games. Anyway, um, super cool voice actor, super cool guy. I remember when I met him at Comic-Con, I was like, I really loved you and There Will Be Brawl and Proxy. And he was like, no one fucking talks about those things, but thank you so fucking much. And I was like, nice. Uh, there Will Be Brawl is... <laughs> Before Brawl came out, a lot of people were so fucking hype on it. They made, like, really awesome costumes and they wrote, like, a There Will Be Blood parody. But it's, like, an episodic thing. And uh -huh. it's, like, 
someone's missing and Mario is almost like the Punisher and he's like hunting them down and like it's a real guy in like real makeup and he's like beating the shit out of people and there's yeah. blood going everywhere and they play Bowser off like a fucking mafioso guy and they play Ganon off as like some bounty hunter asshole um, it's just re- it's really cool uh, King DDAD is like a Jabba the Hutt character you know <laughs> who owns like a casino or a, a slut den or something anyway um he played he played Ganon in that series and he was fucking awesome. And then he played uh, he voiced Leon in the Resident Evil Four and the movies. And then he voiced Levi in the uh, Toonami American dub of Attack on Titan. So this guy was really cool. He did a fan film in like two thousand seven where they threw like a couple thousand dollar budget at maybe a fifteen minute long Slenderman film, and it is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. I gotta watch You've that. never seen that? No. Cool. So we're going to watch that later. Maybe we'll watch that at the end and then t- and then talk about it. We'll pause and then talk about it. But um, that would be a really cool way to end the episode. Yeah. We're going to read some stories first. Is there anything else you wanted to Slenderman talk about before we dive into it? The first story? Uh, no. no. Okay. This is from a new source, which is the reason why we're doing this. It's the first time I've... is first stuff I saw on this site. It literally said, like, top Slenderman stories. And I was like, I'm going to go there. So I grabbed, like, everything. It's enough to do several episodes. And we're going to... We're definitely going to do more Slenderman episodes after this one. That's, like, a guarantee. But um, this website was called Graveyard Shift, which I, I kind of, like, winked at because that's the name of a Stephen King... Um, book where it's uh, a series of short stories so the fact that this website is called graveyard shift and they have all of these short stories and i found so many about slenderman is really cool to me um but the first one we have is called knock in the night and um i don't like that that makes me anxious (laughs) having like imagine you're like in bed in in a house by yourself yeah. And you hear, like, a knock at the door in the middle of the night. I I would freeze. I'd, I'd stay <laughs> underneath stay my bed. blanket. <laughs> I'd stay in bed. I'd make sure my doors were locked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or hide in my closet. Well, yeah, of course, obvious. Hide in the closet. So I, I wouldn't leave the door locked if I hid in my closet. Huh. Interesting. I'd make See, sure I, I, would, I would lay on the bed without my clothes on and then then they'd be the the scared one so it develops into <laughs> a <clears throat> an adult film x rating operator rating an adult film so this is going to be fine captain death tenron ochen this is going to be tenron reading knock in the night It is incredibly hot where I live during the summer. No one leaves the air-conditioned paradise that is their home, unless they absolutely have to. Watching the news one night, the weatherman, speaking in his usual drone, informed us that there was a heat wave incoming, and that it would be even hotter than it normally is over the weekend. It must be like Florida or Georgia or like Nevada. Oh, hell no, my husband says to me, clearly irritated. Well... Why don't we go to my grandpa's cabin Friday night to avoid it? I replied. Well, sorry for the accent. 
<laughs> Don't apologize. Supposed to, it could be a man of the man, man. Sure. He definitely liked the idea. My grandfather gave us his permission to go out there for the weekend. Just asking that we do a few things to help him keep it cleaned up and do some fire hazard reduction for him. We agreed, looking forward to a weekend alone and out of the heat. Thursday evening, we pick up the keys from him and pack up our truck to leave early in the morning. Friday morning, we're headed up there and stop in a small town at the base of the mountain to get some gas and snacks. We're standing outside the truck, eating push pops, waiting for the gas to pump when my husband smiles at me wryly. Don't you dare, I say, knowing full well what is about to come out of his mouth. He starts chuckling between licks of his push pop and whispers in my ear, Slender Man. <laughs> Slendy is waiting for you up there. You're hilarious. I reply sarcastically. If only. <laughs> if only. If only. <laughs> if only. If only. You must carry Slender Man up the mountain. <laughs> or else you will be cursed for all eternity. <laughs> Would you be more scared of Slender Man appearing in the forest? Zeroni. Or Madame Zeroni all the way. Okay, we reach the cabin and get the lights and water going take her bags and the groceries in. It's a little chilly, so I decide to grab some firewood from the back while he finishes unloading the truck. I stopped abruptly at the side of the house as I noticed some scratch marks. Long, thin, and going along the side like someone was dragging a rake almost while walking along. Oh, those weren't there the last time I was here. But it had been a very long time since I had been there. So I shook my head and continued onto the back to grab a few logs. The rest of the day goes by without incident. We go fishing, ride the ATVs, make some s'mores. We're sitting comfortably, cuddling on the sofa, flipping through channels on whatever the rabbit ears on the TV would pick up, when we hear scratching and knocking along the side of the house. My husband must have felt me tense up because he immediately says, It's probably rats. I look at him and say, Are you fucking kidding me? Rats? No way. The sound suddenly stops doesn't start up again so after an hour or so we go to bed the next morning I go outside to grab more firewood curiosity gets the better of me and I decide to go look on the side of the cabin where I heard the banging and what I see immediately makes me want to puke sure the sound was rats being nailed to the wall there are half-eaten rat carcasses all over the wall surrounded by those same scratch marks that I had seen the day before that was enough for me. I started yelling for my husband to show him. Whoa, that's messed up, he says when I show him. I want to leave, like today. I don't want to stay another night. He makes another joke about Slender Man and tells me we'll be fine. If it makes you feel safer, we'll shut all the windows and door coverings. The cabin had those big wooden doors and window coverings that locked to prevent anyone from breaking in while no one is there. I agree to this and say we'll stay another night. Oh. I'm just like, no. Oh. I, I'm just like, no. In this situation, rats nailed to the wall, scratches all over the cabin. No, one more leave. night won't hurt. You leave. Yeah, you know, we, we, we paid for it. We gotta use it. You absolutely didn't. You're staying on your fucking Uncle Grandpa's. Yeah, well, even more so. We gotta take advantage of the freedom. Uncle Grandpa. <laughs> just before dusk, we lock everything up and barricade the front door. 
mostly because I demanded it so I could sleep easily. Just as the night before, as we're sitting down watching some television, I hear the dragging, scratching, and knocking. I sit there petrified. My husband yells, Stop it! Whoever you are, you aren't funny. Just as he says that, the knocking intensifies and we hear a deep growling through the cracks in the wood. Puffs of breath say in a crackling, inhuman voice, Come out to play with me. I run up the stairs faster than I had ever run in my entire life. Hot, thundering, heard against my chest, barely able to breathe. I hide under the covers. What the heck? What what the heck that's going to do? I don't know. Oh, that's just oddly worded. <laughs> it's very oddly worded. What the heck that thing's going to do? I don't know. But it brings me an inkling of comfort. I sit there cursing my husband for not leaving when he had the chance. Curse you, husband. Whatever's out there lasts in the horrible voice for hours. <laughs> knocking and knocking all over the house. Claws scratching the walls. <laughs> rattling the doors. Nope. And, and window... <laughs> And uh, come back to play with me. Yeah, spit on the nose. <laughs> Rattling the doors and window coverings, trying so hard to get them open. These won't open. Eventually, it stops. We fall into an uneasy sleep. That morning, we pack up our shit in a hurry and get into the truck. The house is covered in torn and a half animals raccoons, squirrels, foxes. There's even half a deer on the deck. We throw all our shit into the truck, and just before we leave, I remember that my grandpa keeps motion capture cameras on the trees surrounding the house because he likes the pictures of the wildlife. I grab them and flip through them as we're driving off, happy to be getting the heck out of there. The pictures are nice enough. Some deer, a few blue jays, which makes me smile because they're his favorite. Just as I finally start to relax and breathe easy, I start to see pictures of the animals being nailed to the cabin. The next picture has me shaking so hard, I'm about to drop the camera. Written in blood on the side of the cabin, where I had originally seen the scratches, are the other words, Goodbye. Thanks for playing. The final picture is what makes me scream. The first thing I notice is the yellow cat slit eyes, glaring at the camera. The minuscule pinprick teeth covered in fur and blood in all manner of viscera. It's hunched over, its spine in an arch, waving at the camera. Furry stick-like legs, ending in cloven hooves with the torso of a man. It's emaciated and gangly thin. It's clearly laughing at us and the fun it's having. I drop the camera, willing the image out of my mind and look out the windows, just in time to see it waving at me as we drive out the woods. That didn't really seem like it was about Sonderman. It seemed more like a rake thing. Maybe it's just called Slenderman because the husband is like, Slenderman? Yeah, maybe that's the only reason they bring it up. Which is really interesting that they use it as a mechanism only to then subvert sure. it. I mean, it's not... It, it wasn't a great story. <laughs> just off the bat. No, out of the way. But how, out of the way quickly. Great uh, practice for my accents. Absolutely. I mean, it does It does all the right things, I guess, a horror movie would do. But it's it's also entirely predictable in the same sense that, like, why would you stay there another night? Why would you look at the fucking pictures? Why, why wouldn't you call the police? Why wouldn't you, Why wouldn't you do literally any other thing in that situation? Anyway. 
I hope the rest are actually about Slenderman. I feel I feel bad. I that one. was even having trouble piecing together the description, the convoluted description of whatever this uh, corrupted yeah, entity. Like, it, it sounds a little bit like maybe we need to revisit that real quick. It sounds a little bit like the rake. The final picture is what makes me scream. It's a picture of yellow cat slit eyes glaring into the camera. The minuscule pinprick teeth covered in fur and blood and all manner of viscera. It is hunched over, its spine in an arch, waving at the camera. Furry stick-like legs ending in cloven hooves with the torso of a man. It's emaciated and gangly thin. It's clearly laughing at us and the fun it's having. I dropped the camera, willing the image out of mind. You know, they say they say Rake and Slendy almost work in tandem with each other because they're both not necessarily... You know, at this point, we had read several Rake stories already. You just probably don't remember them. Mm. One of them hasn't been posted yet, and the other one was one story in an episode full of stories. Yeah. And um, the Rake is kind of this creepypasta cryptid, almost like a bringer of death. And he kind of flirts with death, like the idea of death. And he will he'll sit at people's beds or attack them in their yards. And he'll tell them, like, when they're going to die. Yeah. And, and, you know, he won't ever physically, not, not intentionally, harm them. But he just, you know, fills you with dread the same way Slenderman does. Sure. Slenderman, now, now here's, here's where I draw the line, is um, if Slenderman leaves messages, he leaves it through his proxies... And if if he leaves messages, it's not going to be, come out and play with me, or, yeah. or thanks for playing, and wave at the fucking camera. Yeah, that's that's a different thing. That it sounds more like the rake, so I'm just gonna. Sure. It fits the setting too. They say the rake is almost like a, like a northeastern kind of you know woody creature. All right, let's hope this next one is actually about Slenderman. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it would suck if. All these stories are misinterpreted as just mentoring, mentioning if, if Slender it's an, Man. If it's an absolute fail, sub the episode first stream of Slenderman. Yeah. The not Slenderman, Slenderman special. <laughs> what lurks in the backwoods? It was the camping trip we had all been waiting for. Weeks of meticulous planning had ensured that we had nothing left to chance and that we would leave the city with nothing but confidence and excitement. Hoorah. <laughs> It was a long weekend meeting. We had three nights to explore the seemingly endless expanse of beauty and nature that was Algonquin Park, Canada. (laughs) Two of my friends, Jeremy and Jacob, with a K, had booked us a camping site deep in the backwoods. Jacob nestled right in the middle of the infinite amount of calm lakes and tall oak trees. Every variable... Every variable. Every variable that could have an influence on the trip seemed to. seemed in good shape the afternoon we left. The weather forecast showed nothing but beaming sun and warmth. Traffic was going to be unusually low along the highway. We had packed a variety of meals and snacks. That's the best part of camping. Just bringing all this shit with you. Oh, yeah. Just, just getting absolutely lost in the fucking woods and eat shit for four days. And we had rested well the previous night, giving us the necessary energy to hike and portage across the three lakes that stood between us and our site. 
At 3 p.m., we packed our bags in Jacob's car and hit the road. There were four of us, Jeremy, Jacob, Mick, Mick, and Eli. Jacob is right. Eli and Mick myself. and Eli. Oh, they're all Jewish. Sons of Israel. It was the middle of the summer, so we figured we had until about 9 p.m. to get to our campsites before sundown. As we had to paddle across long lakes, as well as navigate some steep inclines and rocky terrain, we simply couldn't afford to get caught in the dark. I'm so scared of the dark. What will I do? Do not be afraid, <laughs> Yosef, son of Jacob. <laughs> My father gave me this. <laughs> My father gave me these these flashlights set, but he didn't give me any batteries. We simply couldn't afford to get caught in the dark as it took three hours to get to the main access point. This left us with three hours to navigate through the backwoods to our site. In the car, the mood was jovial. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> we were happy to be done. We were happy to be done work for a while and to be able to kick back, drink lots of beer, and smoke lots of weed. Yeah. All the while completely free from the hustle and bustle of civilization. Yo, Mick, did you remember the pack? The, what does that say? Binger. Binger? What the you fuck remember the pack happened? the binger? Jacob was listing off items to make sure we had everything, double-checking and triple-checking. Yeah, it's wrapped up in my camping pack. Once we get to this site and set up our stuff, I'll get it out. I was getting giddy. I'm so excited to just be on the lake, getting yod and sipping brews. <laughs> Cracking up in a cold one with them boys. It's been too long. Meanwhile, Jeremy was thinking more responsibly. We just gotta be sure that we have everything set up before we start drinking or anything. Setting up the tent and the tarp over top, creating the hoist so bears don't muck our food, and collecting a good bundle of wood to start the fire. He was right. The last thing we wanted was to be navigating in the dark while drunk or stoned trying to set up our site. Mick kept the mood relaxed. Don't worry about that. We'll have plenty of time. We'll split up responsibilities and it'll all be done pretty quickly. At this point, I could hardly contain myself. <gasps> Being in the backwoods was certainly an intimidating thought, but my buddies were all experienced, <laughs> and I didn't have any doubt that we'd be well prepared for the mission that was to come. I fell into a nap. <laughs> I couldn't control myself. And then I fell into a nap the rest of the drive and woke up just before we got to the access point. When we got there... Jacob and Jeremy quickly got busy loading the canoes with our gear, while Mick and I went to, went to buy some extra ice for our coolers. When everything was ready to go, we launched ourselves from the beach and began paddling. The mood changed quickly as we realized what we were up against. The wind had picked up considerably, creating choppy waters that looked a lot of effort to paddle through. By the time we had reached the second portage, it was nearly sundown. I think we were all getting antsy, but it took Jakob speaking up to get us to make a decision. Kay, the sun's already starting to set. We're definitely not going to make it to our site tonight. I think we should just take the loss and set up one of the open sites next to the lake. Jeremy was hesitant. How do we know 
they're not all booked. Someone could show up and kick us out, and we really won't want to have to set up twice. I decided to intervene. It could happen, but there's lots of sights on this lake. I'm with Jakob. I don't think we have a choice. We can't navigate in the dark. We all came to an agreement that we needed to find a site on the next lake, and fast. And how? Oddly enough, we began to paddle through the next lake when we noticed that every site was empty. Being a holiday weekend, this threw us off guard. Something seemed ominous to me. I let it slide. I just ignored it. I just... Whatever, man. I attributed the lack of fellow campers to the unexpected high winds. They must have just delayed their trips until the waters calmed down. It was really windy today. It was. We found a good sight and quickly jumped out of the canoes. Without a word being spoken, we split up and started to prepare for the night. Mick set up the hoist that would keep our food away from any lurking animals. Jeremy went further into the woods, chopped some firewood, and Jakob and I started to piece together the tent and tarp. Thirty minutes later, we were ready to go. The hoist was prepared to save height up from potential thieves. The fire was crackling. With great intensity, and the tent and tarp were ready to provide shelter from our weary bones a few hours later. With that, Jakob broke out some sausages to cook over the fire, while we each cracked open a pint and prepared the binger. We were a few beers deep, enjoying some good conversation when Jakob interrupted. I swear I just saw something move not 50 feet into the woods. What the heck? You're just really yowed, man. <laughs> At worst, it's a deer or something. Mick was eager to settle the mood. I'm serious. Whatever it was, it was standing on two feet and was definitely not just a deer. It looked about ten feet tall. Screw that. I'm going to check it out. I highly doubt there's anything out there. This is classic Jeremy. Classic Jeremy. An expert troll. <laughs> The three of us knew exactly what he wanted to do. He was going to run off into the woods, mess around just long enough to get us anxious, and then make us try to find him, only for us to return to the campfire with him awaiting our arrival. After 30 minutes, that's exactly what happened. I'm glad that we just keep reading the same shit over and over again. <laughs> I was the one who broke. I ushered Jacob... Jacob. Sorry. That was a slip. And Mick to come with me. I just keep thinking that he's some stereotypical Irish guy. <laughs> they grumbled, but eventually followed suit. I figured the sooner we gave in to Jeremy's troll, the sooner we would be back around the campfire enjoying ourselves, if only. We grabbed the flashlights we had packed away and began the hunt. It seemed so ridiculous, but deep down I thought it was some sort of fun. After 15 minutes, that fun had worn away into slight desperation. Guys, I don't think even Jeremy would put us through this much. Something's gone wrong. I think he got lost. <laughs> Yo, Jeremy, are you yoked? <laughs> what is with this shit? I've never heard that in my life. Whoever invented this, it never stuck. And if this is a Canada thing, stop. <laughs> Yo, Jeremy, are you yoked, bud? Yo, Jeremy, are you yoked, bud? Eh? You yoked, eh? Oh, I yelled half-jokingly, trying not to get too scared. A few seconds after I had finished my sentence, a faint scream broke the silence. I'm not going to lie, I was terrified. Some would say, at first I was afraid. I was petrified, thinking I can never live without, without you by my, my side. Son, or without Jeremy getting yowed. I started trembling. We all looked at each other with grave concern before Jacob had decided he'd had enough. 
He's trolling, he's trolling us. He's probably laughing his rear off right now, thinking we're terrified. I'm not gonna entertain it anymore. I'm going back to the fire. Soon enough, he'll come back and he'll have learned that we aren't going to give in to his antics. Jakob was pretty clear about his intentions. Mick agreed. Didn't seem too interested in looking any further. I was so terrified that I just wanted to stay with the other guys. So we started back towards the fire, feeling slightly uneasy, but confident that Jeremy would come back in a short while. That's when I made the mistake of turning back and flashing my light into the deep, dark woods. I saw it for only a split second before it dashed behind a tree, but it was unmistakable. Just as Jakob had described, whatever this thing was, it was freakishly tall. That, or we were actually both just Yod. You're a little Yod, aren't you? I was frozen. He's not feeding me, folks. I was frozen. I couldn't move. I flashed the light onto my arms to see nothing but goosebumps. My mind raced with every possibility, settling on the horror that Jeremy could be gone for good. Finally, I forced myself to speak up. Hold up. Hold up. I just saw something. I swear I'm not messing around. It was just as you described, Jacob. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Jacob. Jacob. Tall. Really tall. What if it... Took Jeremy. This is dumb. <laughs> I think we're all just drunk and high and in need of sleep. Jeremy is doing his thing and he'll come back soon. Like we said, he'll probably be back at the fire when we return. Mick was doing his best to keep us calm. If not for him and Jacob. <clears throat> I don't know whether we would have survived that night. When we got back to the fire, it had already died out. But that wasn't the worst part. There was no sign of Jeremy. When I realized he was still gone, my heart sank. I was torn. On one hand, I was fed up with Jeremy's trolling. I was, <laughs> was glad he was fucking gone. And, and I hope he never comes back and just wanted to sleep it all off and forget the night ever happened. On the other, I was truly terrified that whatever Jacob and I had seen took Jeremy and murdered him in cold blood. Honestly... I was ready to suggest getting in the canoe and never coming back. But I couldn't leave Jeremy like that and we wouldn't be able to navigate in the dark anyway. So let's just get in the tent and try to get some rest. Jeremy has a flashlight and he knows how to get back here. It's only been an hour. He's probably up in a tree listening to music or something and we'll come back after we fall asleep to freak us out. We'll laugh it off in the morning and have some breakfast. We've still got two days to explore and have a good time. So let's just try and relax. Jacob had clearly calmed down a lot and his reassurance was convincing enough to get me reluctantly to agree. On the verge of tears, I joined Mick and Jacob in the tent and decided to try and fall asleep. I don't really know how, but I managed to doze off pretty quickly. I guess the combination of fear, stress, inebriation, and fatigue had taken its toll on me, if only I had been able to sleep through the night. I awoke to the sound of footsteps approaching, my heart started beating faster and faster, trying to remain calm. My immediate thought was that it was Jeremy. <laughs> Finally back, nonetheless, I gently poked Jacob's arm, which proved enough to wake him up. In his half-asleep state, he looked up at me. What? All this happened in the space of about 10 seconds, and by then the footsteps were much closer to the tent. Jacob now understood what was going on. I didn't need to explain anything. We stared at each other in abject terror as the footsteps got closer and closer. I could tell we both had the same two ideas. It was either Jeremy finally came back, or we were about to be brutally murdered by a 10-foot-tall 
Slender Man. Wow. My heart was pounding as the footsteps were now coming from just outside the tent. Nice try, bud. We're still awake, Jacob said in a nervous tone. The footsteps immediately stopped. No reply. Complete silence. I thought my heart was going to explode out of my chest. Whatever lay outside was now right beside our tent. For a few more seconds, the most eerie silence remained. And then pandemonium. That's a good song. Yeah. By a band called Camelot. Camelot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. Pandemonium. The scream of a banshee broke the calm of the night with the most blood-curdling, ear-piercing sound we've ever heard. Mick was jolted awake, and the three of us looked at each other, thinking these would be our last moments alive. The screaming was incessant. After a while, it started to shake our tent. We couldn't formulate words, nor could any of us muster the courage to move an inch. We waited and waited. After what seemed like hours, the shaking finally stopped. The screaming didn't, but it was getting farther and farther away. To this day, I have no idea what stopped it from entering our tent, but I'm eternally grateful for whatever it was. After a few more minutes, the scream was reduced to a faint sound off in the distance. It remained like that throughout the night. None of us said a word to each other. We instead tried to force ourselves back to sleep, but it was to no avail. After several hours, the light of sunrise pierced through the tent. By now, the screaming had stopped. It was Mick who said the first words. Is it safe now? I think so. Let's pack up our stuff and get out of the park. When we arrive back at the main entry point, we'll put in a missing persons report. As much as I wanted to hope Jeremy would be found, part of me knew I'd never see him again. Fuck that guy. We didn't speak a word while packing up the canoes. It took us only ten minutes before we were ready to set off. Once in the water, I started to reflect on the events. Still, there were no other campers in sight. It's the wrong sight. That's okay. <laughs> That's when I saw it. Squinting my eyes. What looked like a log was bobbing motionless in the water on the other side of the lake. As Wait. we paddled closer, it became clear that it wasn't a log. We get pause. Bobbing motionless. That's impossible. It's an, uh, I think they're just, they're comparing it to a log is just a size thing, I think, to imply that it's bobbing in the water without moving its limbs uh, or anything. Yeah, I think it's obvious it, it should be a person or something. I see, okay. As we paddled closer, it became clear that it wasn't a log, and once we were right up alongside it, I couldn't contain myself. I threw up into the water. We waited in silence for a while before we paddled back to the access point. I will never go camping again. Okay, I feel they never, they don't confirm it, but I'm under the impression that it's Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Which is the bobbing motionless thing. Is if, if a he body drowned. is floating, um, but not moving, then it just kind of wades. I, it, the, overall, the writing quality of these stories is not great but they're doing they're doing the slender man things yeah they're doing the the main things that slender man is yeah. known for which is you know abducting younger people sure. tossing their asses in lakes this next one's called the thing in the yard 
That's not talking about my dog. My friend, Anna, called me and asked if I could take a take over a babysitting job for her. Anna had the lead in the school play and she had to go to dress rehearsal. I can't babysit, she moaned into the phone. Anna, I can't babysit. She moaned properly into the phone. <laughs> They'll give away my part if I skip rehearsal. Anna and I both knew that the theater teacher, Miss Olson, wouldn't actually give her part to someone else if she had missed rehearsal. Anna was overly dramatic about everything. I guess that's why she was cast. <laughs> it's me, Mr. Olson. So on the nose. What a disgusting, disgusting devil. Mr. Olson should be arrested immediately. Anna's dream was to go to a nearby college that was well known for its TV radio program. The college had its own TV station, and Anna was convinced that if she could get a part in one of them, she would be discovered by a big Hollywood agent. I had never met the family that Anna was supposed to babysit for, but I agreed to take the job. <laughs> the character, like, the, the motivation for these protagonists. Hmm. I don't know who I'm going to be babysitting for, but you owe me big time. <laughs> but I'll tell you, you got it, mister. I may have received no information about this job. But you owe me big time. You owe me big time. I told her as she gave me the name, address, and phone number. The Callahans were new in town. They had a formal event to go to, and they needed someone to watch their seven-year-old daughter, Emma, for a few hours. Perfect. That's that's premium target for Slenderman. Seven-year-old daughter, Emma. Little girl. For a few hours. They were willing to pay me $50. And they promised to be home before midnight. Fifty dollars, wow. Emma was a sweet little girl. She had curly blonde hair and big blue eyes. She was just learning to read, and after her parents left for the night, we settled in on the couch with a Junie B. Jones book. Emma was very adamant that I not help her in any way. Mommy says I have to sound it out, she said matter-of-factly. After finishing the book, I put Emma to bed and then went back downstairs to watch TV. I found a nature documentary about meerkats. <laughs> hey, it was either meerkats or Kardashians. <laughs> it started the watch. I was only about 15 minutes in when the TV suddenly lost its signal. The screen filled with white static. I was flipping confusedly through the channels when Emma came into the room, dragging along her blankie. There's a monster outside my room, she said in a small, shaky voice. Her face was pale and I noticed that she was quivering. I turned and glanced out the window behind me. The waning moon was half hidden by clouds, but it was still light enough for me to see the backyard. Callahan's backyard was large and bordered on a thickly wooded area. A knee-high stone fence separated the yard from the woods. There was a small plastic playhouse in the center of the yard. <laughs> Something was standing next to it. This is a good one. I approve of this story. It stood on two legs, like a person, but seemed too tall and gangly. Its legs were abnormally long. I didn't get a good look at it, as it turned and darted into the woods, stepping over the fence as if it wasn't there. 
I didn't want to believe that I'd seen it. Heck, if Emma hadn't started screaming, I think I would have been able to convince myself that I just imagined it. I grabbed Emma, pulling her in close to me and trying to shush her. My mind is racing. I really want a fajita right now. Hot veggies. Good carnita. Wrapped in a bun with some salsa. You're really hungry right now, aren't you? Ah, I'm such a pig. Ah, Captain. We'll get you some food after. Carnitas. Y pollo. My mind was racing. Underlay, underlay. Arriba. But I knew one thing. I needed to call the police. Thank great, you. Great. The TV suddenly flipped back on. The screen showed Emma's empty bedroom. It was as if a camera had been set up outside her closed bedroom window. A low, gravelly voice spoke. We are coming. That's cool. The voice was soft and raspy, as if whoever was speaking was just trying to whisper and shout at the same time. I, I do like... Um, I, I think I've said this before on a different episode, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but... Did you see the movie Sinister? Ethan Hawke. Sinister? He finds um, he finds a man in the background of images of murdered families, and he's like oh, an author, man. and he's I think writing, I, I think he's I, writing I, an, a book, and, and the, the family tragedy really sticks with him, and he starts to see a monster in the background. I might have seen it. I'm not too sure. So, the movie's really good. Sinister is really good. It's really good for a number of reasons. But to, to summarize it, it's because... They take everything that makes Slenderman good. An entity from another plane, a demon of some kind, can't be killed, beaten, or anything. Nothing that just abducts kids. Kids go missing. And families get murdered. And it even goes as far as proxying the kids to murder their families. That's kind of the twist. This movie's old. It's like 2015. So, like, this shouldn't be spoilers for anyone. It's kind of like my spoilering gotcha. of Midnight Meat Trains twist. So, here's this movie called Sinister about something that isn't Slenderman, but it proxies kids, and it abducts them to a different dimension, mm. and it kills the families. And it's it's the perfect Slenderman movie not starring Slenderman, and the only problem is that Bagul looks like the lead singer of Slipknot. Oh. So... That's the biggest issue, is that Bagul, the stupid fucking monster in Sinister, looks like someone who listens to Too Much Disturbed. <laughs> so, ultimately... Disturbed? I mean, the movie is great, Bagul is not. So it leaves you with gotcha. a weird kind of black and white feeling. Gotcha. Now, what makes this story good, and what makes this story intriguing, is, is you know, it, it, it isn't written well, but it's doing all of the things that, you know, Bagul did. It's doing all the things that Slenderman did to make a good Slenderman story. But what really brings it over the fucking stony fence in the backyard for me is the We Are Coming line. The idea that Slenderman isn't just a singular entity, but almost a mass of those he has taken. Almost Mm -hmm. like a Legion aspect that he has proxied these kids, so essentially he is acting yeah. through these kids, and and they are a fucking mess. Yeah. And I've never seen that explored, not really. Marble Hornets has multiple proxies, but, you know, I just mean 
on this kind of scale, and and Sinister does that. Mm-hmm. Sinister shows all of the dead kids acting independently, and it's very cool. It's a very cool movie. I jerked away from the television, scooping Emma up into my arms as I did so. She was screaming again, burying her face in my shoulder. I remembered seeing a landline in the den, so I ran into the next room. I picked up the phone, but didn't hear anything. Whatever was messing with me had somehow cut the phone lines. Emma clung to me, pressing her face into my leg, screaming hysterically. Somehow, above Emma's shrill wails, I heard a faint tapping sound coming from behind me. I turned. The thing from the backyard was standing right outside the window. It had stooped down and was peering in through the window. Well, I think it was peering in. It didn't have a face. It had a blank, greenish-gray concave as if its face had been removed out with with an ice cream scoop. It was completely and totally smooth and featureless. I didn't pick Emma up this time. I grabbed her wrist instead. With my hand, I grabbed a poker from alongside the fireplace. I ran, pulling Emma right along behind me. I had to find a a safe space to hide Emma, a place without windows that the thing in the yard could get through. We wound up back in the living room, and I opened up the closet door. The closet held neatly labeled boxes containing toys and stuffed animals. There was just enough space for a frightened little girl to stand at the back. I pushed Emma into the closet. You have to be brave, I told her. You have to stay in here and be very quiet and very brave. I didn't really have any sort of plan. I could hear something scraping against the side of the house. The thing in the yard was scratching at the house, clawing at the siding. My mind was racing a mile a minute. I couldn't seem to hang on to a solid thought. Are are you freaked out? Stammered Emma. It's going to be okay, I told her. Stay here and be very quiet. I think she was about to say more, but I shut the closet door. I turned to the sliding glass door that led to the backyard. The thing was walking away from the window. It was coming towards me. It lumbered along, slowly, moving in sharp, jerky movements. Its arms swung by its sides. They looked absurdly short in comparison to the legs. Without thinking, I opened up the sliding glass door. The thing stopped, tilting its head at me quizzically. It was as if it hadn't expected me to come out of the house. I ran towards it, swiping the fireplace poker as hard as I could. There was a thick, crunching sound as the poker collided with the thing's legs. The legs buckled immediately, snapping backwards. The thing toppled, shrieking and squealing as it fell. It landed hard on what I guess was its rear end. It flailed its arms at me. I swung the poker again. I felt it collide to the spot where the thing's face should have been. The thing stopped screaming and toppled backwards, slumping onto the ground. The backyard filled up with light. The heart was pounding and adrenaline had flooded my body for a brief moment. I thought that the sun had come up. I stumbled back, blinking. I dropped the poker without fully realizing it. People were pouring out of the woods shouting and screaming at me. My legs gave out, and the next thing I know, I was sitting on the ground. A woman wearing jeans and a t-shirt was screaming at me. She had a set of chunky yellow headphones dangling around her neck, and what looked like a handheld radio clipped her belt. At first, I thought it was a Walkman. She was waving her arms and shouting. Even though I could hear her perfectly, I couldn't seem to understand her. 
What have you done? She screamed. It's a show. It's a show, you idiot. Someone pulled the yelling woman away from me. <clears throat> I looked around. The backyard was full of people. Some of the people were holding cameras and boom mics. Anna was there. She was crying. Great heaving sobs racked her body. I remember thinking that she should have been at play practice. The man offered me his hand and pulled me to my feet. The man explained to me that a bunch of seniors at the local college were filming a TV show for their final project. It was a, a prank show, like that one the sci-fi channel used to air years ago. Someone would call in and suggest a scary prank to plan a friend or family member. Their prank would be videotaped and then the whole thing would be broadcast on the TV show. They'd actually filmed a few episodes already. One showed a boy peeing his pants when a creepy looking clown popped up out of his locker. And another showed a girl screaming as a masked man with a rubber machete chased her out of the parking garage. Anna had called in and pitched a prank to be played on me. She would send me on a phony babysitting gig and a guy dressed like Slenderman would terrorize me. Emma and the Callahans were all actors. Anna had thought that she could impress the students and that they'd let her have a small recurring role in the show. The man I had tacked with the poker was named Jude Plaskett. He had been walking on stilts. My first blow had broken the stilts, but left him basically unharmed. My second blow put him in a coma. He didn't wake up. Lucky bastard. <laughs> there was some talk about filing charges against me. Luckily, that never happened. I had been terrified out of my mind and had been convinced that a monster was about to kill both myself and the child I was supposed to be babysitting. Jude's family wound up suing the college and his classmates. This happened a little over a week ago. Anna still won't talk to me. She's furious that I ruined her <laughs> shot at TV fame. What have I done? Anna, I love you. You'll have, be my star. I have failed you, Anna. You'll always be my star, Anna. <laughs> Anna, I love you. I think Anna from Overwatch. <laughs> Group up here. I'm pretty mad that she set up for such an awful prank in the first place. I can't sleep at night. I keep thinking about the horrendous crunching sound that the poker made when it clawed with Jude's face. Boom. And lately, I keep thinking that there's something in my backyard. I keep waking up to the sound of bushes and trees rustling. But when I go to the window, I don't see anything. I don't know what I keep expecting to see. I don't really want to. See, now, I, I like that, and I like the idea of that, and I think I like it so much because uh, it it's self-aware, and, and I get it, and I understand that that's the twist, but there's something about... There's something about Slenderman that kind of fits in, um, there's a, there's a myth, there's, um, there's a mythical entity that Slenderman might be, um, it's the idea that if you believe in something enough, you could give it life. I just forget what the name of that being is called, it's, I think it starts with a T, mm -hmm. and, uh, a lot of people think that Slenderman essentially is one of these beings that the more you freak out and the more you think it's real and the more you start to see it and the more power yeah. it gets you know like a like a freddy krueger kind of thing sure um and i like that about that story that story handled that pretty well i think it's safe to say that this is the last one we're gonna read before we watch proxy yeah yeah 
and then talk about proxy for a little bit because I'd much rather talk more about Slenderman stuff than than read more, you know, kind of short Slenderman stories. Um, and this one doesn't have a great title, which is misleading. So I hope this actually has to do with Slenderman because Slenderman, I, I I don't know. Needle teeth. I'm gonna make a comment off needle teeth. If I think needle teeth and I think Slenderman, I think of a homunculi (laughs) from Full Metal Alchemist. God damn it! You and the goddamn homunculi. I love so. um, So here's my thing. When you introduce okay, when you introduce needle teeth, something like needly teeth, to the image of Slenderman, you get the monsters from. The books and the movies of Miss um, Peregrine's Home for Strange and Peculiar Children or whatever the fuck. Which the guy even admitted, the guy who made the the book and helped you know design them for the movie. The like faceless mouth, ga- gaping mouth, tentacled monsters that those bad guys, the like soul eaters are based off of, are based off of fucking Slenderman. They're not the first. Um, the silence in Doctor Who is based off of Slenderman. There's something called, um, fuck. There's something in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He's called, like, the man in black or, or something like that. Um, who's just this weird kind of, um, ghosty ghost man Mm -hmm. with this, like, pale white face that follows around certain characters, like a visage of death almost. Slenderman has creeped up into so many different things. Yeah. But when you introduce needle teeth, we go into weird Tim Burton territory. Homunculi. Homunculi. The river was the color of whiskey and flowed like hot tar. Invisible cicadas jackhammered away and the reeds and horseflies hovered, waiting to dive bomb unsuspecting ears. We'd been hiking for hours and only just came upon the ruins. The stone foundations of the cabins had weathered the years much better than their wooden bodies and now splintered furniture within them. We didn't trust the walls to hold, but the bonfire pit was in good enough shape for our purposes. The coolers we'd lugged all the way up here were set down, and the boys immediately started to brag about who was best at starting fires. This expedition was all Tyler's doing. Classes had been let out a week ago, but we just got organized enough to coordinate who would buy the beer, and who had tents, and where we'd go for a long weekend in Algonquin Provincial Park. All of these were written in Canada. As a group, we'd kicked around the idea for ages, but it wasn't until Tyler piped up about a now-abandoned boys' camp he had attended as a kid that everything came together. The day was a haze of blue and gold, one of those perfect early summer daydreams. We had a lot of fun poking about the ruins of the old camp and even found some usable old pans and marshmallow roasting sticks in what had been the mess hall. By the time the sun set, we had s'mores and a good buzz going over the fire. Sean and Jana had recently hooked up and were in the obnoxiously clingy new couple phase. She sat in his lap and fed him bits of toasted marshmallow like he was a baby bird. Oh my God. <laughs> Amy and Tamir had been together so long that somehow they spoke a language all their own of body movement and eyebrow raising. Tyler and I were the only unattached ones, and I think the others hoped this trip would push us together so we'd all be a group of couple friends. They didn't know yet that Tyler was gay. 
He'd only just come out to me in confidence, and so to deflect their pointed lines of questioning, I suggested a scary story contest. There were usual retellings. Hook Man. <gasps> Slender Man. Goat, Goat Man. Man. <laughs> all, of these, all of these are good. The Hook Guy from Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Slender Man from Something Awful, and Goat Man from 4chan. And then Tyler told us he had a true story. I used to go to camp here. A pause. A fresh beer cracked open. Do you know why this place got shut down? Jason Voorhees? Michael Myers? Cannibal Hillbillies? We were a bunch of jackasses. Tyler didn't go along with the joking. He looked ill. Like a man in a confession booth making one last ditch attempt to save his mortal soul. He shushed us and started over. Ten years ago. Don't lick your peener in front of guests. On my lap. On his lap, no less. <laughs> you little tootle. Ten years ago, my parents sent me to camp here. The place was in a lot better shape then. It was great, actually. Everything a ten-year-old could ever want from a summer camp. There were six cabins and a mess hall and a big culture hall where we all sang camp songs and listened to lectures from four strangers and stuff. That's where I met Brian. We weren't bunkmates, so it took a few days for us to bump into each other. He was a skinny asthmatic with big old Coke bottle glasses. The perfect picture of a nerd right out of an 80s sitcom, but we got along great. He broke off abruptly, and it took a bit of cajoling to get him going again. We figured he was pausing to buy time to come up with something. Brian Sweeney might have made it if he hadn't been such a chicken. The lake here was great and all, but the counselors knew how dangerous the water could be, so there was always someone on lifeguard duty, and there's nothing more alluring to a kid than the promise of unsupervised adventure. A bunch of the older kids found it, and it was top secret, but somehow Brian found out and he dragged me along to sea. A few kilometers outside of camp, there was a place where the river was wide and deep, and in the middle there was a sort of rocky outcrop with some trees on it and an old tied rope to one of those trees. That's what the old campers had been using to get across. They weren't too happy when we showed up to gawk. They made us swear to secrecy on pain of death and then shoot us away. Tyler stopped here to go take a leak. We listened to the water of the lake lap against the shore and joked about skinny dipping later. Tyler came back and picked up the narrative. It was one of those stupid kid things. Suddenly the most important thing in the world to us was to get to that little island thing like a quest. You know how kids get when you tell them they can't do something. We make plans to sneak out that night and swing across the river. We were both twiggy little insects. As soon as we got there, it was pretty clear that we'd have a hard time clinging to the rope long enough to make it. Instead, we built a bridge. It took us hours to do, and it wouldn't hold more than one of us at a time, but we were so damn proud of that dinky bridge. I went first. We had a fight about it, and Brian won. If the bridge collapsed, I was the stronger swimmer, so I was the one to test our construction. By now, I could tell that Brian hadn't just been a friend to Tyler. Something in his voice, when he said his name or a little smile, he'd gone first because he wanted to look good and show off in front of his crush. When I touched down on the other side, I couldn't help it. I jumped up and whooped in victory. I teased and taunted Brian until he joined me. The bridge dipped down in the middle and touched the water, and when it did, something moved down there. We could hardly see it in the moonlight, but it freaked Brian out, and he ran the rest of the way. I stood in front of him and looked over the edge. 
We booed Tyler for the false suspense, but it was clear he was pretty shaken up. You guys aren't going to believe me anyway, so I'll tell you. There was a face in the water. Well, sort of a face. Pale, with a big open mouth, and long black hair. For a heartbeat, I thought it might be a dead body, but then it moved up at us. And we bolted, we screamed like little girls, and scrambled up the biggest tree, which happened to be the one with the rope on it. The only reason we stopped climbing was because the branches got too small to hold our weight. We clung to each other and shook like leaves, and strained to the spot, the thing again. It was like Jurassic Park. We figured if we kept quiet and didn't move, it might not see us. It was still mostly in the water. The thing was humanoid, but only barely. It was touching the bridge, touching it, and sort of sniffing at it, I think. What it had taken for hair was this puffy, fungus-like growth all down its hunched back. The hands probing at our bridge were also puffy, like they'd been in the water a long time. The fingers, weirdly long and thicker at the tips, but its face, Tamir, stirred the fire, and Janna snuggled even closer to Sean, if that were possible. It had no eyes. They just weren't there. The skin was all smooth over the dents, but if it had eye sockets, they were empty. No nose either. Just these slanted slits and the mouth. It was round, like a suckerfish, full of slender, pointed, needle teeth. We could see the mouth dilating and contracting, like it was breathing hard, and it looked up. It looked right at us, without eyes. It wanted us, and it wasn't going to go away. We waited. We were like rabbits pinned by the gaze of a hawk. Prey. We knew we weren't getting out of that tree. The older kids might come back later, or they might not. We were too far away from the camp to scream for help. We were completely alone, just us and this monster. Brian wanted to wait until help came, but I knew we couldn't. What if it got impatient and decided to come up after us? We had the rope. We had a way out. One way or another. We argued in whispers while the needle teeth thing paced the water below. We decided I should go first. We'd seen the older kids do it. How hard could it be? All you had to do was hold on and let go when the timing was right. We moved slowly down the branches and the non-eyes of the needle teeth watched us the whole way. I'd have to hold high up on the rope to stay out of its reach. The landing site on the other side was muddy and worn down. It wouldn't be too hard to hit. Like jumping from a swing on the playground. In my nightmares, I'm back there waiting to swing, just frozen. And in my nightmares, I can never do it. I can never let go. But Brian pushed me. I guess he knew I needed the extra momentum. It was quick. Letting go was the hard part. The mud was cold and harder than I thought it would be, and I scraped up my leg pretty good, but I made it. And needle teeth didn't come after me. It was watching Brian. I don't know what happened, but he couldn't do it. 
he made the swing, but he couldn't let go of the rope, and it started swinging back the other way, and I tried to grab him, but I couldn't. I couldn't grab him, and there was a splash, and Brian was gone. Nothing but ripples. I waited and waited for him to come up, but he never did. Tyler stood up abruptly and threw more wood on the fire. This time, we didn't goad him into continuing. I told a counselor as soon as I got back. I don't know how he understood me, all hysterical and crying and snotty. He rang his big brass emergency bell and all the other counselors came out and organized a search party, treated it like Brian had drowned, like he'd just drowned instead of being taken. They looked for two days and then one of the kids snitched to their parents and a reporter came and dragged up all this nasty history about the camp and we all went home two weeks early and the camp never reopened. The end, I guess. By now, we knew it wasn't just a story. This had happened. Whether or not some of the details were made up, Tyler had probably watched his friend drown, and then ten years later, he'd brought us all up here. Why? I couldn't wrap my head around it to confess, to confront the trauma with a few years of perspective, maybe to prove himself that this place didn't have a hold of him anymore. He'd made it out. He'd made it over the river. We slept under the stars that night, where the others slept, I'm not sure Tyler did them. Pretty sure he sat awake all night watching the lake and hearing the slap slap of the water hitting the shore. Interesting ending. Hmm. Felt like there was more setup there. Yeah, it's it seems abruptly cut off. Eh, I'll take it. I still liked it a lot. I liked it a lot because um It was well written. Childhood trauma is kinda of where I went with um with writing my story at the mm-hmm. end of episode sixteen. And it's just like it's the easiest to relate to Slenderman, at least and I don't I don't know if I'd necessarily put that thing in the same camp as Slenderman, but much like the first story, it seems like something um off Slenderman, you know, mm. something inspired by Slenderman. And that's enough, that's good enough for me mm-hmm. in this case. Um, you know, you get rid of the um, suckerfish mouth or the, um, what I kept imagining was one of the um, Dementors from Harry Potter. You get rid of that mm-hmm. and you kind of have this uh, Slenderman looking thing, mm-hmm. which is cool enough. Before we end the episode, I think we're going to watch. Uh, proxy which is nine minutes long and then we'll come back and we'll record a quick reaction to it and maybe send some more people this this uh this way yeah just so that um it gets more attention because i think it's probably the best or the, the most fun um adaptation and i think to follow it up um have you seen the tra- the trailers for the new movie yeah we'll watch those too and we'll we'll compare and contrast it'll be a nice little conversation a nice little end piece Okay, so we watched the Slender Man trailer for the new Screen Gems Sony movie, and we watched Proxy. What are your thoughts on Proxy? Based off the um, the newest game, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, I always I found thought, that thought, actor really likable. Yeah, and and for a nine minute film, it's not terrible. I thought maybe they. I, I my expectation was they were going to utilize more, I guess, the significant other as as a tool mm. for um, you know dramatic effect. But yeah, she was kind of like scarcely used, just when it was like necessary to progress the plot. Sure, there's only so much you could do. Being specific minutes. with who he is, 
you know, outside yeah. of outside of the growing insanity. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, he did really well. I mean, for for a nine minute little film, it does it captures a lot of what makes Slenderman so good. I like the um, I think uh, jump scares when used properly can be fun or good, and I think this is an example of them being used in good in good nature. And I think to an extent. Except for the uh, the ICU bagul moment at the end of Sinister, I think Sinister uses jump scares to similar effect, yeah. almost like a um, a lingering uneasiness. That um, it's not so much the jump that gets you; it's the fact that you continue looking at it. Yeah, I, I remember watching that around the time of the release of the original game, and thinking it was just incredibly well done, and it stuck with me as as being almost. Um, almost like a budget-worthy attempt at doing, like, a movie. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> close to ten years pass, and the first movie trailer comes out this last year, and we're we're all just kind of looking at it like... I mean, I, I like most of it. I just don't like a lot of the stupid imagery that we've seen from a thousand other horror films. Oh, yeah. Maggots and long hair and J-horror shit and twitchy heads and twitchy movement like no like stop please stop Slenderman is literally just a being that watches you from a long from a far distance the, the beginning and the end of the trailer are great because it's the uneasiness of not seeing what's lurking in the trees and what's in the shadows and why the shadows grow so abnormally and why mist and clouds seem to roll in at uneven times and like I like that and I like the proxy-ish nature that he has on people, you know, clearly the Slender Man movie that they're making is based off of the trauma that we talked about with HBO's documentary, uh, Beware the Slender Man, mm, yeah. about the girls who, you know, killed that essentially, woman. essentially proxying themselves and killing, sacrificing one of their, trying to kill a third girl yeah. to sacrifice to Slender Man. So it's like... The movie is going to go there. The movie is going to go to proxying. The movie is going to go to kids killing themselves to get out of Slenderman's grasp. Like, it's going to go several places, but what I want the most is to stay away from the kind of horror we've already we've already seen. What, were you seeing? what makes Slenderman good is that he's not he's not like most monsters and he's not like most creatures and I don't think the most terrifying part of Slenderman is not knowing his intent. Lacking a face. Yeah. Lacking a face just hides intent, and that's the most that's the scariest minimal, part of all. You can't tell where it's looking or what it's thinking. And minimal body language. Very minimal body language. There's there's a part I talked to Gestalt about in, I think, episode 50, where it's just like um, the thing he does with his hands and how it like drapes mm. over the girl's face. At the one scene is is very interesting. They make him almost alien like yeah. in the trailer, and I don't know how I feel about that. I I think he's there are several camps Slendy falls under, and I think like interdimensional being is one of them, and I get that, and that could have alien connotations. You know, abducting people can have alien connotations, but ultimately, I think he's something else entirely. I think I like creature features. I tend to think he's just a monster that just does monstery things and you know eats kids kind of like a pennywise thing. I think 
you know how what is always closely associated with Slenderman is the um, you know the fuzzy screen, black and white, static. Sure. Not. It's um, his effect on technology. Exactly, his effect on technology. Sure. I think possibly you could argue that he is purely a, not just psychological entity and not actual and physical reality, but he's a psychological entity. But it is because we are all tied to a matrix, a grid, so to say. You know, it's actually engineered, it's not organic. Mm-hmm. And he is a virus in the system that infects individuals and does have how you would analogously liken to a psychological effect. I like that you use that word because they use it in the trailer. She says he's like a virus. Interesting. She says it's like a virus. You know, you can't get it out of your head. And we were talking earlier about the operator role. And that's very, that's that's akin to what you're describing is some, someone on the other side of this like matrix life that has the ability to adapt and almost uh, affect people's systems yeah. like, like like a hard drive being manipulated sure it's uh it's really interesting it's really interesting and i and i i'm excited for the movie it's definitely going to be something i see like the minute it comes out because i just you know with channel 0 with slender man i just i want I want like no sleep and I want creepypasta like horror connotations to continue to get adapted because I think it's obviously with this show, the idea is that creepypastas, no sleeps and the overall internet storytelling, anywhere it goes, any anything it does is new and original and at least the good stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the bad stuff is stereotypical, cliched sure. and, and predictable. And that's where I want... That's why I love Channel Zero, so I I can't talk about it enough on this fucking show. I talk about it on, like, every episode. (laughs) Channel Zero is, like, the best thing TV has put out in a long time. And because it's unsettling and because it's all based off of no sleep and creepypasta stories, it's just... It's fresh. And that's why I like it. We need more shit like that. So the less this Slenderman movie is like other things... The more successful and the more, uh, I think, individual uh, it's going to be and therefore more popular. And mm-hmm. um, I get that it's going for the Bloomhouse feels. It's going for the, the same things that made Insidious or Paranormal Activity million dollar machines. But I think Slenderman is the kind of thing where like we do it and it's and it's done and we and we admit that there are some good stories here and, and maybe we'll do some more things. I, you know, I, I can't help but think, like, if HBO was cool enough to do a documentary based off of the real-life tragedy, why wouldn't they almost do their own um, adaptation of more sordid material? Mm-hmm. Um, but sci-fi's apparently the only network capable of running with that kind of shit. I know I talked about Veronica earlier. Maybe Netflix is something that people could adapt more material for, but ultimately it's just like we don't really have as many outlets, and I would love more original horror in yeah. my life. And and that's the point of this fucking show is to introduce those elements and try and find more mediums to translate them to. And 
and to talk about them and to spread the knowledge and spread the ideas and hope more people pick up on it because it's a it's an untapped fountain that will continue to flow yeah. like stories stories and narratives passed down through generations this is just our this is our mythology like this is our thing that we're building and Slenderman to some is like a fucking you know god yeah he really is like almost real absolutely Just watch the fucking documentary it's heartbreaking um, but these, you know, little schizophrenic 12-year-old absolutely believes in it. Absolutely. Much like this podcast, I watched last podcast on the left read some creepypastas. Um, I, I've been following them for three or four years now. And they did maybe 10 episodes about creepypastas before they were like, creepypastas suck, there's nothing good. And I'm just like... You guys just aren't reading the good stuff. You guys just aren't finding the good stuff. And that's what this show is. Finding the good stuff, weeding it out from the bad, talking about it, spreading the knowledge. Spreading the word. The good word of the pasta god. <laughs> this was Captain Death and Tenron Otrin. Signing out. And starving. You're so fucking hungry, aren't you? I'm such a fat ass. <laughs> You're so fucking... Well, let's get some food in you. Let's get some pasta in you. Hey. Would uh, you say that you had a lots of pasta? You wish you had no, lots of pasta. I'm not, not going to do such a disgusting juvenile joke like that. Ever. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> I don't know how to do, like, Seinfeld music, but, like, that's that's my best... <laughs> Sounded Rastafarian. <laughs> oh, okay. We're ending it. Two to the one, to the one, to the three. I like good pussy and I like good trees. Smoke so much weed, you wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, to the one, to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the deep. Let me tell you how I made her leave with me. Conversation and